This is Josh Morani with the Get Your Goat podcast. Happy to be on with you again. Uh, I was thinking about this today as I watch other people do their podcasts and their videos, and this is uh, difficult to do day in and day out. I thought it would be something easier to do. You know, oh, I can talk about sports. You know, that's easy. I see Stephen A. and Skip Bayless. I see them want do it all the time. But it is a job. You have to bring the energy day in and day out. So I have a lot more respect than then for them now that I am doing this and I have started doing this. So props to them. And I'm going to keep on doing this because I love talking about sports. I love talking to you guys. So this is Get Your Goat. Uh, Luca will join the show a little later as he is not a basketball fan. He has fantasy basketball, but he doesn't do the watch real basketball. So last night, there were a few good games to watch. The first one were the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Brooklyn Nets, or an East Finals preview showdown. Giannis versus James Harden and Kevin Durant. And what a game that was. Back and forth, the Bucks looked good. Giannis looked good. Giannis Antetokounmpo had a double-double. 34 points and 12 rebounds. He also led the team with assists. So he led the team in all the three major categories. And he looked tremendous. Was effective. And then Chris Middleton added 25. And Drew Holiday added 22. And this pairing with Drew Holiday has worked out well, I think, all season. Having that extra playmaker and score has been phenomenal for this Bucks team, and especially I think will do well for them going into the postseason. But the Nets got the better of them. Why? Because the Bucks just have one elite superstar in Giannis, whereas the Nets have two in James Harden and Kevin Durant. And did they both show up yesterday? Harden matched Giannis step-for-step step with a double-double, 34 points. 12 assists, Durant was out there dropping 30, Joe Harris had 20, and they looked good. The reason why the Nets won this game is because they were so much more efficient from the field than the Bucks were, and especially from three-point land. From downtown, they almost averaged 50% from the field. That's disgusting. If they average that even close to that 45% regular season playoffs, this team's not going to be stopped. I'm sorry, but this is an offensive team with offensive weapons, and they are so fun to watch. The only glaring alarm I see with the Nets is because they are so such this offensive juggernaut is that they turn the ball over a lot. Kevin Durant had that turnover, crucial late-game turnover yesterday. Ball just slipped out of his hands when he was going up for a jump shot. Uh, that's one thing they have to control. I don't think Kevin Durant's going to be doing that a lot because he doesn't. He takes care of a basketball. But that's really the only thing with this team is going to be managing turnovers and them not getting into their own way. We'll see how Kyrie is when he comes to play. He says he'll be back soon. Uh, So we'll see how the three of them work. But right now with just James Harden and Kevin Durant, this team looks so, so good. So good to watch. And Durant is looking like the superstar he is. Second best player in the league. Looks amazing. 
uh, him and Harden, they work miraculously together. I mean, just watching them play, uh, watching that game last night, this definitely looks like it will be the Eastern Final Championship Series between the Bucks and the Nets. Maybe the Nets will get better with them because the Nets have the second best player on the floor and two of the top five players in the NBA in James Harden and Kevin Durant. That's how good this team is. It is a finals or bust team. They're built to win right now. So I think the Nets are going to do it after watching that game last night. The energy that they brought to this game, it looks like they'll be coming out of the East, which is scary news for the teams out in the West. And in the West, we had some action last night. We had the Warriors and the Lakers. Warriors came back and won. They were down the whole game. They came back. They won by a score of two points, 115-113. Curry had 26 points. Chef Steph was cooking, even though he wasn't cooking from three-point land. He was only three of 12 from three, 25%. And if he would have been his usual 40% mark, this game would not have been that close at the end because he played so well, made that clutch game-winning three, essentially, over Anthony Davis, defensive superstar, looked so good. Kelly Oubre with 23 points. He shot 50 from the field. He looked really good. And then Eric Pascal off the bench, I think, got 19, almost 20. That was a huge spark. For this team to beat the Warriors, but the, I mean to beat the Lakers, and the Lakers got in their own way. Schroeder led with 25 points. He is an amazing, amazing player, amazing for this team. His court vision, his ball skills, and he can put the basket, he can put the ball in the hole, which is beneficial. The reason why the Lakers lost this game is because of LeBron or AD. They didn't play. Well, uh, they had 19 and 17 points, uh, respectively, and they could have played better. They missed some shots, a little lackadaisical coming back on defense. Uh, They've been preaching defense, and this was a game where they needed to bring their defense, and they did not. And then another thing that plagued them is what I just talked about with the Nets, uh, turnovers. Uh, Because there are so many amazing ball handlers and playmakers on this team, uh, that sometimes they just turn the ball over. It's like, you know, why are you having that pass like that? You're dribbling too much. Uh, that is something they've got to hone in on. And then another area of focus, which was we've talked about a lot with the Lakers, is making their free throws. If they would have made their free throws, they would have won this game. Even if the Warriors made all of theirs, if the Lakers made theirs, they would have won this game. Uh, free throws are huge. In the NBA, especially come postseason time, when you get to the line, you have to convert. It is as simple as that. It's something they should be practicing more and more since they are uh, mediocre from the line at best. But LeBron and AD didn't play great. They just played okay. So because of that, that is why they lost this game, let the Warriors come back. And it's huge since we only have this 70-72 game schedule that the game's regular season means a little bit more this year. So uh, I'm a huge LeBron fan, huge Lakers fan. I think they'll rebound from this, but it is not good signs to see teams blow leads, especially in the fourth quarter. I don't like seeing that. That's not a sign of greatness. Hurts LeBron, 
every time they lose a game in the fourth quarter, Clutch comes into question. I don't like answering that. Don't like talking about it because he is a clutch performer. Uh, the reason why people say he's not clutch is because he's had so uh, many clutch opportunities. And when you only get half, maybe a little bit less, oh, you're not clutch because you have so many clutch opportunities compared to other greats. So you had two, two huge matchups, playoff implications, and possible previews of playoff games, playoff series that will be happening. Other news in the NBA, Rockets and the Bulls. Uh, Bulls won behind Zach Levine having a great night. Levine could be in the MVP conversation. He's looked sensational for the Bulls all season. Victor Oladipo coming off of the Pacers trade this past week. He looked amazing, dropping 32. That duel between Zach Levine and Victor Oladipo. But Oladipo, or Oladipo special, but Zach Levine is really special this season. He's got to give credit. People have to start giving him his props because Zach Levine is a real deal for this Bulls team. Looked really good. So there's a lot of NBA action late last night. All games were really, really good. And then college basketball, you had Kansas-Baylor uh, action, uh, two versus nine, top ten matchup. Uh, Baylor looked really good from a jump. Baylor dominated, beat them, and to me looked like the best team. They do look better than Gonzaga. They played a bit more games than Gonzaga, and to me they have looked more impressive than the Zags. So I got to give Baylor their credit. Uh, sometimes in the tournament, they don't make it so far, so that's really all you're judged on is how well you do in March Madness come that time. But I think Baylor is going to be a very strong team and a very tough out come that bracket. And with that win over Kansas, we all talked about Kansas being the best of the Big 12, top dog in the Big 12. But last night didn't look that way. Looks like Baylor is at least taking over for this year, which I'm happy to see. Not a Jayhawk fan, not a fan of Bill Self, even though he recruits well, does a lot of things well. I like seeing new blood in there, and I'm happy to see Baylor do really well. And then tonight, college basketball, there's a lot of uh, top 25 teams in action. Not necessarily a lot of, there's no top 25 matchups, but there is top 25 teams playing. Michigan's playing Maryland. Michigan's coming off a huge loss against Minnesota, but they're at home against Maryland. I expect them to win and win big. Uh, everybody, every team is going to give Michigan their best chance, biggest shot to win, and I think Michigan is going to prevail. Uh, I don't think they're going to be dropping back-to-back -back losses anytime this season. Could it happen? Yes. I don't foresee it. That definitely would change my outlook on Michigan. Hopefully they don't do that to me because they looked really strong under Jawan Howard, haven't turned the ball over, looked really poised uh, defensively and offensively. This team is just really complete led by uh, Hunter Dickinson, freshman, but they also have some talent out there with Eli Brooks and Livers, uh, upperclassmen that really help this team out along with their transfers as well. So that's going to be fun to watch. But Luca's back with me for this as well, college basketball. So right now we're going to pick the most likely upset that will happen tonight and why. Uh, Luca, is it all right if I start with you? Out of all the top 25 teams tonight, who do you think is the most likely to get upset? I think that the team 
that is most likely to upset a team based on their projection to win, I think that Maryland might have a chance to upset Michigan. Okay, okay. Why is that? Why do you say that? Is it just because you hate Michigan? And by the way, my brother is a Michigan State fan. That's why he loves the state. So is there just bias here because you don't like Michigan? Or do you give Maryland a complete shot? It's pronounced Maryland, not Maryland. Well, based on their last performance beating Illinois, I think they're going to continue that momentum into this Michigan game. I think Michigan's going to have a good rebound from losing their last game to Minnesota. <laughs> uh-huh. But I don't think it'll be enough to contain Maryland. Wow. Okay. Uh, I totally disagree with you for the points that I just brought out is because Michigan's coming off a huge loss. They're going to rebound. Uh, you have a pathetic team in Michigan State this year. Really sorry team. So <laughs> I'm glad you said that. But to me, I'm picking a surprising one, and I'm picking Seton Hall over Villanova tonight. I was going back and forth with Seton Hall or Purdue and Ohio State, but I'm going with Seton Hall just because Villanova hasn't played in a game in a while. Uh, They've had a lot of previous games delayed due to COVID, so I think they're going to be a little rusty off a jump tonight. Seton Hall has had some bad losses this year, but they've also had a couple of good wins. Uh, they play tough in their division. And I think Seton Hall is going to squeak out that dub tonight over Villanova. I think it'll be a close one, but my most likely upset, I think, is going to be Seton Hall over Villanova. I hope I'm right on that. I'm not just wildly picking that, but because of Villanova not playing recently, uh, getting a little, being a little rusty, I expect Seton Hall to come out and at least start big over Villanova. And look like the superior team tonight. Uh, I that is such a huge disagreement, because when they play okay. teams that are unranked, they win. But when they go against teams like Creighton, they get whooped, eighty nine to fifty three well, against Creighton's Creighton. Creighton's a good team. Yes, but you look at all the other games they've played against unranked teams. Lost to Louisville, unranked, but then they like crush unranked team so they're like very inconsistent in their play i know that luca i just said that i said they've had some really bad losses but they had some good wins but the reason i picked this is because i think villanova is going to be rusty not playing basketball in a while that's the only reason i said that maybe i'm wrong but if we do this podcast uh tomorrow and i'm right then there's going to be a lot of talk coming my way and smack coming to you my friend so I got I got Seton Hall over Villanova. I'm sorry, dog. And then out of those top 25 teams that we just mentioned, who do you think is going to have the biggest game tonight? Uh, what's going to be the biggest winner? Who's going to win by the most? The biggest winner, I think, is going to be Tennessee over Florida. Oh, really? Even though I do enjoy watching Florida games for football, I don't think they have what it takes to come close to Tennessee. Tennessee being 10-1, and Florida 6-4. and Florida really hasn't looked good all season, hasn't beat any teams, hasn't upset any teams. And Tennessee's been looking good all season. 
except for that one game against Alabama. They got unlucky there, and I think they're going to have the biggest win tonight. You know, Luca, I was that was my second choice, wow. honestly, was Tennessee-Florida. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest win tonight for the top 25 team is going to be Illinois. And you just said they just had that loss that against... second, too. <laughs> you just, they just had that loss against Maryland. Tough loss. Only three points. But Penn State's not a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Illinois at home. Off a loss, just like Michigan. I would pick Michigan. But Maryland's a much better team than Penn State. So I have to roll with the fighting Illini. Even though I don't like it, I do think Illinois is going to win. And win big over Penn State tonight. I really don't expect this game to be close or competitive. But as Lucas said, I expect that way with Tennessee, Florida as well. The only way I didn't go that way is because Florida is at home. I know home field doesn't mean that much uh, with no fans there, but I think it does at least mean something having that home field advantage, home court advantage. So with that, I'm going Illinois over Penn State in that game. So that's college basketball. We got talking next rapid fire one where I'm going to talk about real quick is MLB. And the only thing I'm going to say about the MLB is it is a sad day for fans of just the MLB in general. Uh, Jared Porter was fired, uh, Mets GM, uh, for sending explicit images to a reporter four years ago. Uh, It's disappointing that he did that. I'm glad that he got fired because he doesn't deserve a job for what he does, for what he did, and nobody deserves a job uh, for doing that. I'm glad that he acknowledged his mistake, uh, apologized for it, but as of right now, uh, he doesn't deserve a job. In the future, I do believe everybody deserves a second chance, but as of right now, I think that was the correct move to make by the Mets organization, and I hope uh, Jared Porter has learned from his mistakes. Then you got UFC this weekend, UFC 257, Connor McGregor, the Notorious, versus Dustin Poirier. Porter, and uh, this was one of Connor's first UFC fights. Uh, he dominated Dustin, and I expect him to do that again on Fight Island on Saturday. I expect Connor McGregor to win and win big. Uh, he hasn't fought in almost eight or over a year against the Cowboy Donald Cerrone, but Connor's going to come back. He's going to win big. I predict a first round knockout. Uh, Connor McGregor. He did that against the Cowboy. He's going to do that again. Uh, and to me, if he does this first round knockout, he puts the MMA back in notice saying, hey, I can take a year off. I can do whatever I want. I can train whenever I want. And I can still beat up elite competition. Uh, maybe not the Habibs or the Nate Diaz's. I think he has to take those a little bit more seriously. But no, I expect Connor McGregor to knock Dustin out this weekend. Forget all that Jake Paul talk. Uh, I know Jake Paul wants him, but guess what? Connor's focused in the UFC right now, and Notorious is winning this weekend. That's all there is about it. One of the greatest lightweights ever, and he is putting MMA on watch this weekend, Fight Island. All right, next sport, moving on, more rapid fire, is NFL. So Mahomes today, Patrick Mahomes, has cleared some of the steps in the concussion protocol. Huge, huge deal for being able to play this weekend on Sunday. That means a lot for this team, for the Kansas City Chiefs. But Luca, let's just say for the sake of argument, P. 
Patrick Mahomes doesn't suit up and doesn't play, do the Chiefs have a shot at winning this game? Do we have any shot at all at winning this game? Yes or no and why? They have zero to none, just like no chance of winning this game. Because we saw Chad Henney come into that game late in the fourth quarter, threw a horrible interception. Mm -hmm. He can't even run. He did get that one breakaway run and then threw it to Tyreek. But if he throws, he's going to get carried by his receivers and throw interceptions. It's going to look like old Jameis. Threw a bunch of touchdowns, threw a bunch of interceptions. So I don't think they have any chance to win that game. But if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire comes back, then they will be able to use the running game a lot. I don't think the Chiefs will allow themselves to be blown out, but I don't think the Chiefs will win that game if Mahomes does not come back. So Chad Henney is a starter. You said you're giving him 0%, not even 1%, just a 0%. Like you I'll could... say like 15%. Oh, now you're going to say 15%. You went from 0 to 15 what? If Edwards Hilaire comes back. If he doesn't, then 0, yeah. So officially, if Edwards Hilaire... And Mahomes don't play. It's an official zero from you. There's no even. Yep. There's not even a point in watching this game because they're automatically going to lose to you. Yeah. Oh wow. I disagree. I do believe the Chiefs have a shot. I don't. I wouldn't expect them to win, but I expect the Chiefs to have around a twenty percent shot. Reason being is they have one of the best coaches in the league, and Andy Reid, one of the best offensive coordinators, and Eric Bieniemy and a stud defensive coordinator in Spags. And when you have the weapons that they do, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, they both had over 100 yards uh, receiving this past weekend against the Browns. When you have those weapons and you can do those jet motions with Nicole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, and Pringle and such, it makes life really difficult for the defense. Uh, you can open up your offensive playbook a lot. You can run those jet sweeps and motions. Uh, you can run little plays to Tyreek Hill, who happens to be the fastest wide receiver in the NFL. And like we saw, Chad Henney can scramble. Does he do it well? Does he do it pretty? No, he doesn't. But he can pick up those hard yards. He can do a slant to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill can take it to the house because of how good and how electric he is. Travis Kelsey is a safety blanket. You throw it to him, it's basically an automatic catch. No matter the coverage, uh, one-on-one, he is that good, that big time. And it is fun to watch this Chiefs offense. Uh, and But the one thing is, Patrick Mahomes can make some of those great throws that only Patrick Mahomes can make to Tyreek Hill, where Chad Henney can't. So I don't want to see him forcing the ball downfield, like you said, when he had that hideous, horrendous interception. I don't want to see that at all. And if he forces a ball down the field, forces those deep shots, uh, it will be a long game for the Chiefs. But I do expect the Chiefs, no matter what, even if Patrick Mahomes is not playing, is to be competitive. That's what I expect from them. So then more NFL, Luca. Uh, We have a lot of upcoming free agents in the league coming this year. But who do you think is really the top free agent on the market, and why? Who do you think is the top dog? I'm pretty sure this is on every single person's top free agency list. Dak Prescott. He is 
number one for free agency everywhere. It will be very exciting to see what team picks him since he is a elite quarterback. He can take a team to the playoffs if he has good surrounding weapons. So it will be fun and interesting to see what team ends up signing him. I agree, Luca. I do think Dak Prescott is the top free agent available. There's a lot of free agents uh, available, but I think Dak Prescott, of course, is the biggest one. He's a quarterback uh, with the passing game, with Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator. He's really blossomed into a great quarterback. Not really elite, not into the Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes of the world at all, but he is a high high leverage quarterback, high QBR, uh, passing yards per game is huge, around 370. I mean, he's insane. He's entering his prime at 28. It was awful to see that injury, but he is the best quarterback on the list, meaning he is the best free agent on the list. And it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. So, Luca, do you think he ends up back with the Dallas Cowboys, signs another deal, or do you think he goes somewhere else? I think it is very possible that he stays with the Cowboys, but I do not think he will want to stay with the Cowboys. Yes, he is Amari Cooper, but I think he would rather go to some place like the Falcons. Where Why the Falcons? I think he could take over Matt Ryan's starting job, and then he is Julio Jones. That would mm-hmm. be an amazing combination to see. I want see. I will go against it. But against other teams, it would be fun to see Dak Prescott and Julio Jones go together. So you like him going to the Falcons, uh, but do you think he's resigning? Or do you think you have more of a shot of him going to another team and not resigning? I think he has more of a chance going to some other team. But I do think there's like a 30% chance he does resign with the Cowboys. All right, so Luca's giving it a 30% chance of resigning, 70% going somewhere else. I'm the totally opposite. I think 70% he stays, wow. 30% uh, he goes. And the reason being is with this injury, uh, Andy Dalton is a backup quarterback. Uh, it's really shown how much better Dak Prescott is than Andy Dalton, uh, making the decisions he does. Better passer, of course, the ability to move. He's a mobile quarterback. And Jerry Jones, seeing his team, he's going to get a deal done with Dak Prescott. I do think it hurts some of the value of his injury of Dak Prescott in his deal. But I do want to see him link, I mean, ink a long-term <laughs> deal with the Dallas Cowboys. I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, near Russell Wilson's contract, five years, $140 million guar- or $140 million, over $100 million guaranteed or something like that because he is a star quarterback. Uh, Cowboys need him, but I do think, as Lucas said, other teams might be interested in signing him, but I do think Dak Prescott, he's loyal. He's loyal to his team, and I think he will sign with the Dallas Cowboys no matter what. But there's a lot of other free agents out there. I think, to me, the big, the, Luca, what team do you think will be the most impacted by free agency this year if that sort of makes sense so what like and what i mean by that is what team when i say what team will be most impacted by free agency is do you think there will be a team that loses a lot of their free agents and their team looks different or do you think a team will add some free agents and then they'll turn it around 
next year. What do you think of that? Or do you want me to go first? Obviously, if Dak Prescott leaves, then everything would look different in the NFC East. And if Alex Smith returns or not, that will be exciting to see. Have Heineke start for that team. But I think the team with the most impact with free agency and signing is either going to be the Jaguars or the Jets. Because I think they're in full rebuild mode since Hmm. they are not doing good. Since the Jags have the number one pick, Jets have the two pick. So it'll be fun to see who they pick first and second and who they sign in free agency to help rebuild their team and where they go next season. I agree. I agree with the Jags because they have the most cap space. So I do think their team is going to look a lot different. I think it's going to be a lot better. But to me, the team that's going to be most impacted is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I say that because Tom Brady, I know he signed a two-year deal. Maybe I, Who knows what happens after this year. But you have Chris Godwin, who's going to be a free agent, top wide receiver. People are going to want him. He's not going to come cheap. Shaq Barrett, uh, also edge rusher on that team. He did. He was a little injured this year. Didn't have his sack production this 2019 where he had 19.5. He's a huge player for them on the edge rush. And then they also have linebacker Levante David, who's going to be a free agent. So really they have a lot of key pieces and especially in that defense that are going to be free agents, it's going to be interesting to see if they retain all these pieces and what they do. I love watching the Bucks. I, I think if Tom Brady wins it this year, that should, this should be his last year. You won on this note. You got the one up on, on Belichick. But if he doesn't, I do expect him back next year. But it will be a more different or a little bit more different Bucks team. We'll see if they resign these guys. But it'll be interesting to see this Bucks team shape out in free agency is if they build around Tom Brady for one more year or if they're looking more into the future. So that will definitely be interesting. Also in the NFL, uh, Deshaun Watson has kind of made it clear he wants out in Houston. A lot of reports are saying he's played his last snap. Uh, fans are trying to do whatever they want. They even interviewed the enemy because that's one of the coaches he wanted and I do think that'd be a great fit for Deshaun Watson there's been rumblings of the Jets going all in on Deshaun Watson uh Luca do you think a deal with Deshaun Watson and maybe the Jets or another team will get done soon this offseason or do you think he's staying with the Texans I think he's definitely going somewhere but I would be sad to see if Deshaun Watson goes to the Jets because they just signed a defensive coordinator as their head coach, so he really can't contribute much to the offensive side. But since he's the coach, they will be making big decisions with him. But I don't think they can utilize all of his attributes on the running and passing game, obviously not having a lot of weapons. And then it will be fun to see if they do trade away some things for him, and if they somehow magically keep that second pick who they would take my guess is if they keep that pick and get Deshaun Watson it would be an offensive tackle personally Mm -hmm. but I don't think he can go to the Jets and I don't think he wants to go to the Jets but if you get traded then you kind of have to he does have a I think a no trade clause in his contract so he can kind of decide where he wants to go but I do think Deshaun Watson to the Jets is intriguing for a couple reasons is 
he's better than Trevor Lawrence is. He's more, or at least more proven than Trevor Lawrence, than Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, all the quarterbacks coming in. Uh, you get rid of Sam Darnold and the ghosts <laughs> that have plagued him. So you have a starting quarterback in this league, which is huge for Robert Sala in his first year. And then you can kind of build around him. You have the second pick. You could get a Devontae Smith, a number one wide receiver, to pair with Deshaun Watson since they don't have that. You could get a running back in the draft and free agency. And you can kind of build this offense, even though he is a defensive-minded coach. Even if the defense isn't as good like the 49ers were this year, missing Richard Sherman most of the year, trading Quan Alexander, uh, losing Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, huge losses. Still a top-five defense with all those losses. So I think Robert Sala is a defensive genius. Even if he doesn't have all these great pieces, it's still going to be a good defense. But having these offensive pieces are going to be huge for him to have. So I think if he gets to Sean Watson, this will be amazing for the Jets, for Jets fans in this organization. Having a stud, world-class leader who is a professional on and off the field in Deshaun Watson is something that the Jets sorely need and they would welcome certainly in Jets land. So I I don't hope he goes there because it would take a while for him to win again. But if he wants out of Houston, I honestly think the Jets are better for him to go to than staying in Houston. But I know Houston would be at a loss without him, uh, especially after trading James Harden. Then you no longer have Deshaun Watson. I mean, it would really be a sad day for Houston fans everywhere. And then touching up in our last topic for the NFL is Luca. I know you're a huge Seahawk fan. And uh, if they had, I know they don't have a ton of cap space, but if they had unlimited cap space or maybe a little bit more, what is one free agent that you would like to see them pick up this year? What's one big name you would like to see the Seahawks add to their roster? One huge free agent. I would love to see them sign is either that the like he's number two, I'm pretty sure, on the list for free agency. Trent Williams. The offensive tackle. Yeah. Uh-huh. It would be good to see him there to protect Russell Wilson so he doesn't get sacked every single second. It's so annoying watching their games against the Rams when Aaron Donald is uh, <laughs> when Aaron Donald is in because mm-hmm. he just gets through in like two seconds and just sacks him so it'd be fun to see offensive tackle stopping the defensive line for once i agree i do think an offensive tackle would be good but i also thought leonard williams of the giants would be huge and reason being is they really don't have a pass rush i know they got carlos dunlap and that helped them out but he's getting older leonard williams is young he got traded to the giants or he got traded, yeah, traded to the Giants, and he's been amazing with his 11 and a half sacks this past year, and he's really just a force rushing the quarterback and run-stopping. He's great, but as you said, an offensive tackle would be nice, but I also think having a defensive player would be nice as well. Mm-hmm. So then going into our last sport of the day, NHL, there was some good action yesterday on all day. Uh, the night game me and Luca watched were the Coyotes Golden Knights. Uh, Golden Knights won that game four two. Coyotes were up two zero two zero. Looked like they were gonna really take control of that game and win it. 
I was scared. I was wearing my flurry jersey, and the Knights came back. Knights are a superior team. Max Pacioretty called bank on poor Darcy Kemper, and they never looked back after that. So they looked really good. Uh, Capitals Penguins are on tonight. They're gonna. That's gonna be a good game, really. The rivalry, even though the players are getting older, you still got Ovechkin versus Crosby, Malkin, Kuznetsov, uh, Samsonov, Jerry, two young goalies back there. So that's always, always must-see hockey. So that's going to be fun to watch. There's a lot of good games on tonight. Devils, Rangers, Jets, Senators, uh, with these divisions being more closely knit. The teams really don't like each other, but it is fun to watch hockey. But another big news, it's funny because in the NFL, we're talking about Deshaun Watson being traded. And in the NHL, we have the same storyline. Pierre-Luc Dubois has requested a trade of a Blue Jackets young, amazing player, only 22 years old. Uh, He wants to go to the Canadians. Uh, I don't want to see that happen. But Luca, where would you like to see Pierre-Luc Dubois end up? It could be kind of interesting to see him go to a couple teams. It would be fun to see him go to the Rangers or the Penguins. Because I know you are a Penguins fan and you want to see Malkin get traded. Yeah, I'll talk about I'll talk about that. I'll talk about that. But, Luca, why the Rangers? Because Rangers are one of my teams as well, but you talk about the Rangers. Cover that one. If Lafreniere doesn't keep doing good, they could trade him. They could trade Zibanejad. I don't want to see Zibanejad get traded, but I they think... They could also trade, like, Kako or Hytale or some of their younger players. I feel like that is a very well... That could very well happen. It would be fun to see him go there with Panarin. Panarin could have won the MVP last season, but didn't, sadly. And I think it would be fun to see him on the same line as Panarin. That would be wonders to see they would get a goal on that line almost every game i agree that would be fun to watch i do think the asking price is huge because he is a star in the making Uh, as lucas said i would love to see him go to the penguins balkan's getting old he's kind of turned invisible for the penguins um where did he go he just kind of skates around aimlessly now it's kind of getting scary to watch him play because he's not that offensive force that he used to be where he can kind of change the game point per game kind of guy uh so yeah uh i think you'd have to trade more than malkin you'd have to give up some draft picks maybe a young piece young prospect pierre joseph but if they had that deal on the table i'd like to see rutherford be aggressive pull the trigger get get pierre luck dubois i don't think he's going to go to the canadians since he's made that clear that he wants to go there but i do think if the penguins were to get him i know that's just a pipe dream but i would love to see that happen, and I'd get myself a jersey, Pierre-Luc Dubois jersey, coming at you, but he is good with the Blue Jackets, but it is worrisome to see all these stars, like Panarin wanted to leave, Columbus, Duchesne wanted to leave, now he wants to leave, is there something wrong with Tortorella there, I know he's this crazy coach, but he gets results, he wins wherever he goes, but it would be nice if they're able to actually keep a star player, because imagine if he still had Pierre-Luc Dubois, Panarin on the team, and you had these guys. Mm-hmm. Columbus would be a good team. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're already a good team, but they'd be better. So you have that, but now me and Luke, me and Luca are going to get into some NHL awards. We predicted who we think is going to hoist the Stanley Cup. I said Vegas. Luca said Rangers. But the biggest trophy 
for the NHL is the Hart Memorial Trophy, which is the MVP. Last year, it was taken home by Leon Dreisaitl. Luca, do you think he repeats as the MVP, or do you think somebody else gets it this year? I think for sure someone else gets it this year. Who? Who do you think gets it? I think either McKinnon. Okay, he was up for it last year. I think he can be up for it this year, and I think McDavid is going to be up for it again this year. I think those two have the best chances. They're both really fast. They both can shoot and score very easily. So I think those two have the best chance of winning the MVP this season. I agree with you on the uh, McKinnon one. I think it's going to be his time. They're kind of a favorite. I'm going with McKinnon. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see the season evolve and see if he really is the favorite because sometimes they just kind of give it to somebody even though Panarin to me should have won the MVP last year. What he did to the Rangers was more valuable than Dreisaitl winning the MVP since he does have McDavid on his team. But McKinnon has Landeskog as his line mate and they do have a good team. But I do think MVP should go to uh, the most valuable player sometimes. It doesn't go to that. But I do think McKinnon should win I don't think he should win, but we'll see. But that's my prediction. That's my early prediction is Nathan McKinnon. Uh, there are some other ones. Lucas said Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, I think, could be up for it. Artemi Panarin, uh, James Carlson for the uh, Capitals. Uh, Sidney Crosby's always in, the, in that discussion. Alex Ovechkin. Uh, I think Austin Matthews might be a sleeper. So we'll just see. There's a lot of young talent coming into the NHL. We just had this conversation with my mom the other day. She's like, who's young in the NHL? Uh, so we had to list all these names of young players in the NHL because there is a young wave of NHL players in there, and they're good. So, Luca, we said Nathan McKinnon. You also added Connor McDavid. But what about the Art Ross Trophy? Who do you think is going to get the most points this year? Who's going to end up with the most points in the NHL? I might just keep my same two people because they are always scoring and assisting goals. But I think Crosby has a lot of potential to get it. He's a playmaker. Everyone on whoever's on his line scores. Because I saw that game against the Capitals, he helped Rodriguez score. <laughs> I didn't even know who Rodriguez was until he scored that goal. So he is a good playmaker. He'll get a bunch of assists, which is a point. He can score goals, get some more points, and he also is one of the best plus minuses. So he's yeah. always on the ice when someone scores. So I think that helps him win MVP over the Art Ross, but I think he is the number one right now for that. Wow, trophy. Luca, I'm surprised to hear you say that, but I also agree because he because well because he he elevates your game like you said. Whoever I know he has Jake Gensel as his linemate as well, but whoever is that third person on there. He usually elevates their level of play, and it's like you said, they score goals because he's a playmaker. Defenses are focused on him, so he opens it up for other opportunities. I'd like to see him win the Art Ross. I could see it going to Nathan McKinnon or Connor McDavid because they're just point-scoring machines, but I would love to see uh, Sidney Crosby get another one. Uh, That's just how I roll. All right, Luca, next trophy Rocket Richard Trophy. Who's going to score the most goals this season? I already picked Patrick Laine. 
He's looked good so far. He was injured last game. He didn't play, but I think he's going to wind up with the most goals. I think it'll be close between him, Alex Ovechkin, and Austin Matthews, and David Pasta, Pasternak. Those are always people up for but I'm going Patrick Lining. That's my dog. I think this year he's going to get it done. He's going to bounce back. But Luca, who do you think is going to score the most goals in the NHL this year? I think the person that's going to end up with the... It's like the same people that come to mind in my brain. Like, I just think of Crosby, McKinnon, and McDavid. Those See, are, but Crosby usually gets more assists I know, than that's, goals. But like He's he, had a rocket Richard a couple of times, but go ahead. I know, I was saying that because he comes to mind, but I know he just mostly assists. McDavid got a bunch of goals. I'm pretty sure he was number two on the points list last season. Mm-hmm. I think he can get the most goals. Because, yeah, I think Rocket Richard last year was tied Alex Ovechkin and David Pas- David Pasternak. Mm-hmm. So you think Sidney Crosby's going to win that award? No, 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 no. I meant, no, oh my gosh. I meant McKinnon or McDavid. Or who, McDavid? I, I, yeah, that, I. So that. are those going to be just, is that going to be the top two people this year? Is just those two? No, there's a lot. There's Marner's been doing good so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just wanted me. Yeah, you just need a people. Yeah, you just need no, people. Matthews has been doing good. He always does good. He's been doing good. So yeah, I he think does. he'll continue to do good. Panarin does good. Kane hasn't been too hot since his, the rest of his team is trash. Everyone's injured on that team. It's sad. So I think there's a lot of big names out there that can win this trophy. All right, let's finish up. Next two awards, uh, we have two more left. Next is Vesna Trophy, best goaltender. Last year was Connor Hellebuck. Definitely deserved it. He played amazing last year. Luca, who do you think wins best goaltender this year? Who holds up a Vesna? There's a lot of goalie. There's always so much I can... I'm going I'm going to go with a repeat. I'm going Connor Hellebuck two years in a row. He's just that dominant. He's that good. I was thinking Tuka Rask. Uh, but I'm going uh, Connor Hellebuck again. Luca, who do you got? I think Vasilevsky can win this trophy this season. Mm-hmm. He's been doing good so far. I think he's around allowed like three or two goals in his first two games. I think he's going to continue it up. He never lets anyone get a bunch of goals on him. I think that's going to continue this season. He's young. He's good. I think he's going to come close to winning this trophy nearly every year he plays i think he'll get it this year too all right we have that and then last trophy is the james norris trophy which is the best defenseman last year it was roman yossi i thought it should have been john carlson i thought he was robbed of that trophy uh he is an offensive machine he doesn't have the defensive skills of roman yossi but i expect this to be close roman yossi is amazing uh but pietrangelo is amazing Carlson by do I think Pietrangelo is going to win this award. I'm a little biased because I do love the Knights. I see him play. He's just ripping shots from a point, but he's also a stud defensively. You also have Shea Theodore. You have Nick Schmidt or Nate Schmidt on the Canucks. You have a lot of good defensemen out there, but I'm going with Pietrangelo. That's just who I'm rolling with this year. I love the Knights. Luca, what about you? Who are you rolling with for the James Norris best defenseman? I think Carlson's going to get his revenge this season after that trophy was taken from him. From him. I think he's going to continue his season he had from last year, get more points, do better, and I think he's going to get that trophy this season. 
I agree. I think that is a good pick as well. So then finishing up with our show, I love stocks, the stock market. I'm investing. So biggest gainer of the day was Gritstone Oncology. Opened at 8, finished at 22. There's probably some people that made hundreds of thousands of dollars today, if not millions. So congratulations to all you out there. I saw that a little late. That bummed me out, but that's okay. And then next, we're going to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. This is the 1% of our podcast. Talk about anything else. Uh, very def- very, deci- very divisive movie. You either loved it or hated it. It's looking like more people hated it. Uh, me and my brother saw it. Actually, me and my whole family saw it. My parents didn't like it. Me and my brother liked it more than the first one. Luca, what did you think of Wonder Woman 1984 compared to the other Wonder Woman and other DC movies? I mean, other DC movies really aren't that good. I don't like... Ben Affleck too much as a Batman. The only other ones I really liked was Shazam. That movie is hilarious. I can watch that so many times and <laughs> never get bored of it. Mm-hmm. And then Man of Steel was also really good, seeing Superman. I'm happy that movie wasn't trash like all the other DC movies. I don't like Batman vs. Superman. I don't like the Aquaman. None of them really are too good to me. Some of them are okay, but these three are amazing. Shazam, Man of Steel, and then the new Wonder Woman. That movie was really good. I went, it's good. It's not okay. (laughs) It's not amazing. It's just good. I can watch it again, but it's not a movie that I can sit around watching all day and analyzing. But yes, it was good. There are a few parts that are kind of (laughs) funky, but for overall, it was a really good movie. I like the villain in the movie he was funny mm-hmm. there's I a agree. lot of lines that you repeat <laughs> that's right uh i agree luca this is one of the better dc movies i really didn't like the first wonder woman i'm sorry out there for all the people that love it and worship that movie uh but i did think wonder woman 1984 was the superior sequel and turned out to be a really really good and fun movie uh, I love Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord in it. As Lucas says, he has some great lines, was a great villain. Also, Kristen Wiig as Vachita. She played that role. Amazing. I thought those were excellent villains. And they kind of was like a DC movie of the old where they kind of focused on the villains more than the heroes. As Lucas says, there's a few parts I didn't like. Uh, Wonder Woman flying. That kind of hit me out of left field. That came out of nowhere. I know she can fly in the comics and they made her fly. But I think that was kind of unnecessary. That really wasn't needed. And then some of the action scenes kind of seem choppy and fake. But I think that's just DC and how they uh, roll over there. They're just not as high quality as Marvel. But I agree with Luca. This was a great movie. Shazam's my favorite. But I'd actually say I think like I like Wonder Woman 1984 more than I like Man of Steel. Wow, that's surprising. So yeah, I liked it more than that. And that's probably number two on my list is Man of Steel is probably three. But yeah, Batman vs. Superman, I didn't like Didn't like Ben Affleck as Batman. Huge Christian Bale fan. Hoping for big things with Robert Pattinson. But yeah, Aquaman was cheesy to me. Uh, what other ones? Justice League wasn't good. I'm looking forward to the Snyder Cut uh, with black-suited uh, Superman up in there. I think that's going to be amazing to see. But yeah, I was a fan of Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, some of the directing elements, cinematography wasn't well done, but... Overall, I think the screenplay was good, the storyline was good, plot was good, 
and it turned out to be a good movie. As Lucas says, it's nothing great, nothing spectacular out of ordinary, but it was a good movie to go and see. So we're getting close to the end of our podcast. This is the Get Your Goat podcast. But as I said, when I revamped the show, revised it, the Get Your Goat is something that can irritate somebody. So after the end of every show, I'm going to do a take. If Luke is on with me, he's going to say a take that he believes he agrees with, but maybe isn't popular everywhere else. So Luca, what's your Get Your Goat take? What's something you believe that maybe not a lot of other people believe in the sports world? Could be anything. What's something that is an unpopular opinion? That you have go. What I is think it? this is somewhat popular, but I think Jack Eichel is a top five center. He's been doing, he's got off to a hot start this season with six assists already, and he has like a record breaking year for himself every year he goes on. And down there in Buffalo, he doesn't have many weapons, just got Taylor Hall, but every year he's been there, he's been doing amazing. And I think he deserves to at least be top 10. But in my opinion, unpopular opinion, I think he's a top 5 center. I can see that because you've got Sidney Crosby. you got Evgeny Malkin. you got Leon Dreisaitl. you got Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon, uh, Patrice Bergeron. So I can see where that would be unpopular. I definitely don't think he's a top 5 center. So I definitely disagree with you. So I do agree. So I do think that's a good get-your-goat pick. I like it. But for me, I'm going to go with another one. A lot of people think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL, best player, best quarterback to play the game. It's him and Brady. But to me, Aaron Rodgers is not a top five quarterback in the NFL. Ain't ever a top five. Like right now? Ever. Ain't ever. He'll never be a top five quarterback in the NFL in my book. If he wins a Super Bowl now, he would be a top five. But as of right now, he is not a top five quarterback in NFL history at all to me. I know that's unpopular because a lot of people think he's the best. Think of the throws he can do. But to me, I'll get into it later on a later podcast when we're breaking it down. But he is not a top five quarterback in NFL history to me. I can somewhat agree with that. I do agree. He only has one Super Bowl, and he's always connected with the wide receiver he's been around. He had Randall Cobb. Now he has Devontae Adams. They have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year in the conference championship I do think they have a good shot against Brady, but you said we'll go into that later mm-hmm. on another episode. But I don't. Oh, I agree with you. With he is not top five all the time because there is a bunch of other quarterbacks there of more Super Bowls than him. I agree. A lot of people have one, a lot of decent amount of two, but we'll get into that later. As we said, that's my get your goat take. Luca had his get your goat take. So this has been the Get Your Goat podcast. It's been a pleasure being on with you. Uh, This has been Get Your Goat. I'm Josh Morani. Goodbye, everybody. See you. Bye, everyone.